Hmm. And here's what I told Greg to put his mind at ease in the friendliest possible way. I'm like, dude, you're not important enough to get fired by Evan Cohen. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Vetrano. Coming up at 12 minutes after 5 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Yes, indeed, it is Tuesday. Folks had a nice extended weekend. What an amazing weekend. Holy cow. We talked about the weather with Ms. Nansky. We got him again coming up at 7.20 this morning, but had to be... Niz called it even even on the, on spec top five Memorial Day weekend forecasts. Right, have to be this phenomenal. I mean, could just as well have been fifty five with a sideways mist. <laughs> We've seen that too. <sighs> Everybody out still trying to do what they're trying to do. Right, because you build all these plans out. Well, we're gonna have the days. We're gonna do this, and sometimes summer just ain't here yet. I wanted. To, <laughs> did you see a lot of Happy Memorial Day yesterday? Um, Either in your social media or just people saying it. It always or, pops up occasionally, and it's always one of those awkward like, things. Uh, I don't think most people intend anything by it. or right. I think it's just a, a failure to put in your consciousness what Memorial Day sure. is supposed to be. Folks get focused on their weekend and the unofficial start to summer. The sales. Yes. The barbecues. The unofficial start to the, or the official start to the grilling season and all yeah. that stuff. And, you know, I, th- I think we do a good job here in WTMJ of putting that all in perspective about really what the holiday is. And it's, a, so when you see the happy Memorial Day, it's like, mm, not really. One of my kids asked me, Max, he's like, so why you can't say happy Memorial Day? I said, Max, what is the name of the holiday? <laughs> and he gave it a beat. He's like, oh, yeah. All right. And then if you just take, I don't think that's too much to ask of people. I don't expect everybody to go out to the various memorials and things happening on Memorial Day. It's nice to do. I remember one year the traveling wall was in Greenfield. I made a point to take the kids out there, and we, we spent that moment. I don't necessarily expect every American to, to make that time, but at least to have a consciousness of what the day is supposed to be. And on top of that, never a bad day to thank a veteran. Or even someone in active duty military, but that day is really supposed to be about our war dead and or those who died in a training exercise or some mm-hmm, sort of mm-hmm. support effort. But they're on duty, they're active member, and they die in that service to our country. That's what the day is about. And we kind of just sort of wrap it around into thank a vet today. Like I said, I'll never discourage you from doing that, but Memorial Day is what it is. And for those families who are directly affected by it, I hope you uh, had the occasion to honor uh, a loved one or someone close to you who was lost. 514 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. No Brewers game on a Monday, but the team was still busy as they have designated first baseman Luke Voigt for assignment. The National League Central leading division Brewers will begin a three-game series tonight in Toronto. Adrian Hauser, who is slated to get the start for the Brewers, has shown his manager promising signs since his return from the injured list. There's a, there's a confidence to him right now. He's pitching with a lot of confidence. I, th- I think William's doing a fabulous job with him as well. The fastball is very good. The sinker and the four-seam fastball are, are really good. And the off-speeds, uh, he's getting some strikes with his off-speed stuff. Um, another nice, really nice outing. Coverage of the Brewers-Blue Jays will begin right here on WTMJ at 6 p.m. 
The Packers will get back to work today for block two of their organized team activities. All sorts of new players and new roles and new energy. That's according to quarterback Jordan Love. A lot of the young guys have kind of been in backup roles before, kind of, you know, thrusted in the front now. So, uh, and there's just a lot more reps. People are having more opportunities to get those reps. Uh, but yeah, I feel like it's great energy out there right now. Despite the new look in Titletown, ESPN's Dan Orlowski is high on the Packers' chances in a weekend NFC conference. Packers should be a playoff football team. A lot of people think they're going to stink. I don't. This is a roster that is loaded with talent. Well, and Brian Gutenkunst, their general manager, has got to be sitting there going, please prove that I was, the, I was right in that decision. Over to the NBA, where the Miami Heat are moving on to the NBA Finals for the second time in four years after a convincing win over the Boston Celtics in Game 7 of the Eastern Conference by a final score of 103-84. to Jimmy Butler, who, who averaged just under 25 points, was named Eastern Conference Finals MVP. Miami now joins the 1999 New York Knicks as the only second as the second eight seed to make the NBA Finals. Game 1 between Miami and Denver will be on Thursday. No finals in Milwaukee this year, but a new voice will be heard for the Bucs in 2023. The Bucs aim to hire Toronto Raptors assistant Adrian Griffin as the franchise's next head coach. Griffin played nine seasons in the NBA and has over a decade of coaching experience. How about Milwaukee again? The Bucks invitational Lose- team. <laughs> Losing to the Heat, which at the time looked like well, how could this happen? One seed versus, you know, all that stuff. And then here are the Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. What should, how far back do we need to go with yeah. when we lose to the team that ultimately wins the whole thing? I mean, if, if you want to take it to the Brewers, we lost to the Dodgers. Yep. They win yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, if you play Milwaukee, the you play Milwaukee, there's a chance you're going to go on to the uh, oh, play for a championship. Got to get it on the other side of that draw. 518 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Janet Jackson in town over the weekend. And, uh, you know, it was nasty. Not the boys. The traffic. That story next. Played it twice in Milwaukee. Apparently an opening salvo and then uh, wrapped up with Rhythm Nation did Janet Jackson. In town over the weekend Sunday night show at American Family Insurance Amphitheater at Meyer Festival Park. You know, it was nasty, Eric. The traffic. <laughs> Getting in. <laughs> That's what they say. Uh, let me see. I'm pulling this from Piet Levy, who uh, reviewed the concert for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. He didn't focus exclusively on it. Actually said it was a really good show. Played for an hour, 45 minutes, did Janet. Uh, looked like... Pretty much anything I would have wanted to hear was in there. Mm-hmm. Nothing but the hits. A lot of medleys, you know, so it's mm-hmm. rolling through hit after hit after hit. But he also wrote up the traffic situation, and here's what he said. Traffic was, well, ludicrous. Fresh off his co-starring role in Fast X, Ludicrous opened for Janet Jackson Sunday. Disappointed to say I missed his set. I couldn't get to the venue fast enough, and I was furious. I've been... Uh, in my fair share of intense traffic jams, heading to Summerfest grounds from Paul McCartney to the Rolling Stones to Milwaukee's first big post-pandemic concert with Foo Fighters. But traffic at Meyer Festival Park Sunday was some of the worst I've ever experienced. And unlike those aforementioned shows, Jackson wasn't even sold out, nor was there any other major activity at Meyer Festival Park or in Walker's Point on Sunday. Well, what, what gives with that? Yeah, what would have been the issue? Just a lot more out-of-towners, maybe? I don't know what would have Could be. Everybody driving back? 
Well, no, they would do that tomorrow, yesterday. Yeah, right. They? Sunday night show, so yeah. that shouldn't have been a problem. Mm. You know, I mean, it's uh, you look at Summerfest, and when you have a show that's tied to a festival, if people down there sort of at varying times, right? Gates open at noon. So some folks come out right at noon, that's or others true. are there yep. three, four o'clock, mm-hmm. and then they yep. kind of make their way on into American Family Insurance Amphitheater. But for an event only, I suppose there's that crush of people wanting to get there at about the same time. That's an issue. Maybe they don't have like parking people that they do at the bigger festivals. They know how to handle things. They know how to handle the the influx of cars. So maybe that might add into it. Spring season, first go around with yeah. this, really. First big show. <laughs> first, like First try. We forget where stuff is, how we go places. Oh my God, do we? Well, do we always know when things start, too? Sometimes we run into that issue when the shows are actually going to begin. There's a little bit of that because I, I've i mentioned one of the reasons I don't go to as many shows as perhaps I would like outside of the cost is just I don't want to sit there for an hour and a half waiting for stuff to happen. You know, you got an 8 o'clock show. I'd like to see you somewhere near 8, <laughs> if that's okay. And That's what it says on the ticket. Right. You're the artist. If you want to start your show at 10 o'clock, Put 10 o'clock. I don't care. Just It's your right to start your show, but why do you say 8 and you don't show up till 930 or whatever whatever the case may be? So maybe folks wanted to avoid that. It's interesting, though, because she was in Chicago before that. I don't know if it was the night before or two nights before, but I was combing through social media just looking for Milwaukee reaction, and it was full of people with selfies in their cars saying, I'm currently missing the show. <laughs> it was worse in Chicago, it sounds really? like. Well, I... I don't know. I, I was trying to think of, like, would the demographic be more people driving? But that wouldn't be it. I mean, it'd be an older show, right? Most of the consumers would be older than, say, a younger show. Like our age or yeah, whatever. Yeah, so we're right, all yeah. driving? I, don't, I can't figure it. It can't be any different, though, for, like, McCartney or the Stones. It sounds like it was a great show, nonetheless, for those who are Good. fortunate enough to get in there and see it. Nonetheless, if uh, if there are some issues there that we need to work out, let's uh, let's get into it here yeah. and fix it before we get into the, the heart of the festival season. No, my first name ain't Baby. It's Janet. Miss Jackson, if you missed. You've done a hell of a lousy job. I'm sorry. You're fired. Get out of here. Coming up on 542 on this Tuesday morning, I'm going to make fun of our guy, Greg Pancake Hill, producer yeah. of Wisconsin's Morning News a little bit. Ready to take some this morning? <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Just because I thought it was a relatable story for anybody who has an office-style workplace in a larger company. So we Good Karma Brands is based right here in Milwaukee, but we have operations all over the country. We're in New York, Chicago, L.A., and so we have various levels of management also in other parts of the country. And one of our big bosses is a guy by the name of Evan Cohen, super guy. Everybody likes him. He's the big questions guy, right? Evan asks the questions that you haven't thought of. Yeah, the provocative yeah. questions. And just throws it out there, makes you think. What do you think of this? How about that? Why are we even on the radio? I mean, how about that? Have you thought about that? <laughs> I don't know, Evan, like, because we're on the radio. But great guy, makes you think about stuff. Yes. And from time to time, he's based in New York, but from time to time, he will come into Milwaukee and have a cup of coffee. He's here for a couple of days and engages in various meetings. And sometimes when one of the big bosses is in town, he'll ask to meet with people on the team. So Pancake gets a notice that he's got, what was it, a half hour or an hour with Evan? Uh, it was an hour. Ooh, ooh. Well, scheduled an hour. Scheduled an hour. You yeah. see that pop up in the calendar? Mm-hmm. And Pancakes, he's, he's a little anxious about it. 
Now, oh, yeah? You, you were nervous about it? Well, yeah. I mean, like, first of all, it's out of nowhere, seemingly. There's really nothing changing, nothing going on. Right, right. So, like, the ears perk up a little bit. No subject line issue no, listed on the thing? No, absolutely not. In fact, it was a meeting booked through someone else. So I was like, oh, okay. Oh, on behalf of Mr. Yeah, Cohen? Yeah, exactly. Uh, right. <laughs> Mr. Okay. Cohen will be in town. Indeed. He, he seeks an audience with Greg Pancake Hill, <laughs> producer of Wisconsin's Morning News. Make sure you're available. So, and look, you and I have been through the office ringer for a number of years, oh, right? Yeah. I'm 25 years into to my work life, maybe a little bit more, you 20 or so, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So we've been through these things, right? People come and go and whatever, and y- you have your meetings. But Greg's on the younger side here, so he was, he was a little anxious about it. He's around my thing. He's kind of joking a little bit, but he's like, I don't know. I got my meeting today, so... You know, maybe I'll see you tomorrow. Maybe I won't. <laughs> you worry about getting fired. Okay. Well, you know, it's got, yeah, it has to come across. Crossed about. his mind right. a little bit. Hmm. And here's what I told Greg to put his mind at ease in the friendliest possible way. I'm like, dude, you're not important enough to get fired by Evan Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, none of us are. Yeah. <laughs> they he don't, ain't flying in for you. <laughs> they don't fly Evan in from New York to whack Greg Hill. Yeah. <laughs> they just don't. So see, and you felt better after that, that didn't you? a little bit, kind of. Yeah, maybe some confidence. Like, yeah. yeah, in some ways. Maybe not in others. You're welcome, but friend. That's okay. I appreciate you. I Thanks. got you. Hey, I'm still here. And it worked out. 545, Brandon Snide with sports coming up next. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. The Green Bay Packers are, like us, heading back into work for today for block two of their organized team activities. Some experts around the league and players, for that matter, think the team is currently in a rebuild state. Count ESPN's Dan Orlowski as not one of those. Packers should be a playoff football team. A lot of people think they're going to stink. I don't. This is a roster that is loaded with talent. Well, and Brian Gutekunst, their general manager, has got to be sitting there going, please prove that I was, the, I was right in that decision. The Miami Heat are moving on to the NBA Finals after a convincing Game 7 Eastern Conference Finals win in Boston Monday night against the Celtics. This one by a final score of 103-84. to Jimmy Butler led the charge, scoring 28 points in the win and was named the MVP of the conference finals, but knows without his teammates, there is no chance at an NBA title. I don't call them role players. I call them teammates because your role can change any given day, especially with how many games I've missed and you know in and out of lineup, off nights, whatever you call it. We got some hoopers. We got some real deal basketball players that can score, can defend, can pass, and can win games for us. Miami will now move on to play Denver in the NBA Finals. Game one will be on Thursday. Over to baseball, the National League Central Division-leading Milwaukee Brewers are back in action tonight. The crew are in Toronto to begin a three-game series with the Blue Jays. First pitch is scheduled for 640. Adrian Hauser is slated to get the start. And lastly, over on the ice, the Las Vegas Knights are moving on to the Stanley Cup Finals after thrashing the Dallas Stars 6-0 in the Western Conference Finals Monday night. The Vegas Golden Knights will face the Florida Panthers for the Stanley Cup. In Milwaukee, the Admirals were victorious on Monday night at the Panther Arena in their best-of-seven series against Coachella Valley. This one by a final score of 3-1. to The win for Milwaukee was the first in the Western Conference Finals which Coachella now leads two games to one with Game 4 set for Thursday night at 7 p.m. Coming up, it's moving day in Washington. How that is analogous to golf and a major championship. That story is coming up next. 
At 551 of Wisconsin's Morning News, I'm trying to find a way to make the debt ceiling debate interesting, or at least somehow relatable, Eric. I'm <laughs> yeah, coming, how's that going for right, you? I, I'm struggling a little bit, but we'll, you, you decide whether I've made this interesting or not. Today is moving day in Washington. Yeah. I'll explain that coming up, but let's get you caught up. Weekend deal that may still blow up, but at least in principle, the negotiators seem to have struck an elusive compromise. Pretty tough to come by on Capitol Hill these days. So I, I applaud even this far. Right? Yeah. They want to raise the nation's debt ceiling, avoiding what most, if not all, economists believe would be a catastrophe. There seems to be largely unanimous agreement on that. If you hit, what is it, June 5th, right, is the deadline? You have to pay your bills. The nation can't pay its bills, and the ripple effects could be felt. That's when we'll start to feel it. Things in the government start shutting down. People start get, not getting paid. And then there are larger ramifications for the global economy. Mm-hmm. So the push is on this week to get Congress to sign off on the deal. ABC's Justin Finch on what's in it and what is not. The 99-page deal would suspend the $31 trillion debt ceiling until January 1st, 2025. Lock in new non-defense spending restraints. Claws back $30 billion in COVID funding. Rescinds $20 billion of IRS funding. Expands work requirements for some Americans on food assistance. Ends the federal student loan payment pause in August and preserves Social Security, Medicaid, and veterans' benefits. The bill does not include tax increases for the wealthiest Americans or big corporations, which Democrats wanted. So it does sound like Republican House Speaker Kevin McCarthy got a lot of what he was looking for in this negotiation. And it's a negotiation that the president previously had said should not have been a negotiation. The president doesn't feel that the debt ceiling deadline should be used to secure other items on a wish list. His whole point was, if you want to talk about all those other things, that's fine. Debt ceiling ought to always be a separate issue. But Republicans were saying, this is, this is our leverage. This is our only pushback, our only chance to get at the table and talk about some of these other things. This could go both ways, because you could have a Republican president in 2025 when this comes up again. And at that point, you could have Democrats in Congress, depending on the balance of power, using that in the same way mm-hmm. to try to get things they want. So, you know... For partisans who want to side off on this issue of whether or not the debt ceiling is a legitimate piece of leverage, like we, sh- we are all, whatever side we're on, careful what you wish for, because it can be used against you as a tactic yep. the next time around. But here we are, President, the lead negotiator for the Democrats, he says he feels good about it. Well, I feel very good about it. I've spoken to a number of the members. I spoke to McConnell. I spoke to uh, a whole bunch of people. So he's doing his work, trying to get support. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, he runs the House of Representatives, will have first crack at passing the agreement. You're going to have Republicans and Democrats be able to move this to the president. The president agreed with this bill as well. Okay, so there it is. It's called the Fiscal Responsibility Act, and they always come up with names. Right? Yeah, Whichever party got to draw it up, right? This is what is fiscally responsible. Mm-hmm. Not, all this, not, not like these guys here. <laughs> uh, it was revealed publicly Sunday evening. So folks were working in Washington through the weekend, although many lawmakers obviously headed back for the long weekend. Speaker McCarthy promised members 72 hours to review whatever they came up with before it would come up for debate and vote in the House. So that puts us at tomorrow. That's why we're at the Wednesday deadline. Senate would, of course, follow if it passes the House. Not a done deal. Vote yes and move on. Compromise is painful. Not enough for a faction of Republicans who are on the far right. Way too much give for some Democrats 
further on the left. Let's get to uh, Justin Finch once again to summarize that. There are early signs the bill may not win support from some hardline Republicans and progressive Democrats in the House. And those may not be the only snags this deal faces in Congress. The deal is on track for a House vote Wednesday and then off to the Senate, where it could find friction. The deadline, June 5th, when the Treasury Secretary warns the U.S. is at risk of default. Okay, I promised you. Aren't they just pandering to their base, though? The one, well, no, I, I, I'm, I'm staying strong. I'm voting no. Don't they have to do that? Like we've, we've seen this in politics forever. And also, you'll have the some of the maneuvering too is how many people are allowed to vote no and still get the passage Correct. that they know yes. they want. Yes. So does Eric from, you know, Delaware District, whatever, get to voice his objection, even though he knows there are enough votes to pass, mm-hmm. so it's okay. Mm-hmm. All of that posturing, you're exactly right, and that's why I find it analogous to golf. In golf, they call Saturday, of a major in particular, but many uh, tournaments, they call Saturday moving day. So you have the first two rounds of a golf tournament, you play out, and then they make the cut. They lop half the field off, they go home. The remainder of the field now is in position to win that championship, and they call Saturday moving day. And this is where you don't get too excited about who's in the lead or who's this many shots off the pace or whatever, because a lot of stuff happens on Saturday. And that sets up that Sunday championship day. So they call it moving day, where your leader might flame out under the pressure. Okay, gotcha. Drops back five, six strokes. All of a sudden, your leader, not who we're talking about Sunday morning. You want to be the person they're talking about Sunday morning, not Saturday. So they call it moving day. I look at today in Washington. Today's moving day. Where all these guys get back, they had their long weekend, they maybe heard from constituents or whatever. Now they've had a chance to look at what's, you know, what's the meat of this agreement. And now everybody's going to find a microphone or a TV camera or whatever, and they're going to do exactly what you said. I mean, I have to give my posturing, I have to give my thing. I'm, st- I'm holding out, I'm voting no. Who do we have to talk nice to? Who do we have to make some mm-hmm, other promises mm-hmm. to? As Speaker McCarthy whips his folks into shape over in the Senate. You'll have Chuck Schumer, Senate Majority Leader, working on his people, Oh yeah, provided they're all on board. So today is moving day in Washington. Expect to see a lot of that. And then, as we said, tomorrow will be the vote in the House, barring the unforeseen. 5.57 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Business headlines are up next. Here's the Milwaukee Business Journal's Teddy Nichol. Master Lock Company said it's closing its plant on Milwaukee's north side as it looks to maximize growth potential, maintain competitiveness, and rely more on external suppliers. More than 300 local employees will lose their jobs. Former Milwaukee Bucks head coach Mike Budenholzer is putting his Waukesha County Lake House on the market less than a month after the NBA team fired him. He bought the house for $1.7 million in 2020 and is listing it for $7 million after a full renovation. As David's Bridal accelerates the pace of its store closures, employees throughout Wisconsin are now expected to lose their jobs by the end of June. The bankrupt retailer initially projected its workers would be laid off between June 12th and August 11th. I'm Teddy Nykel with MilwaukeeBusinessJournal.com on News Radio WTMJ.